is coming up now on Established in the Faith. And there's about five of them in front of me, all five of them buying lottery tickets. I'm standing there. I can be done with paying for my gas in less than 30 seconds, and I can hit the road. But I've got to stand here now for 10 minutes waiting for these guys to get a lottery ticket. I was tempted to be curlish. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me please to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel chapter 25, we're going to pick it up with verse 10. 1 Samuel 25, verse 10. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away from every man his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told David all these sayings. David said unto his men, Gird on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. I want to stop right there and use for a subject. This morning, preaching a few minutes. And David girded up his sword. And what David was about to do, it was not going to be pretty. And David girded up his sword. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for every person that is under the sound of my voice today. Lord, things will be said here today, and I need your anointing. I need your spirit to say them and to say them as you would have them said. Lord, these people need the anointing of your spirit so that they can hear it and receive it. Lord, may your word go forth today and accomplish that for which you would have it to. May this word go forth today and be edifying to the body of Christ. And Lord, we're careful to give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. The 25th chapter of 1 Samuel begins by telling us that Samuel died. And all of Israel lamented Samuel. He's somewhere around 98 years of age when he died, which is... Somewhat unusual for someone to live to be that old at this particular time. Samuel, 
He was the last judge of Israel and the first one to stand in the office of the prophet. God would use the office of the prophet. The prophet would be used of God, anointed of God, to speak a word into the ears of the king, whomever that king may have been, to lead Israel. And it was through Samuel that God would use to pull Israel together as a nation because at this particular time they were just a bunch of tribes scattered across the countryside. And Saul was the first king of Israel. He was the people's choice. He wasn't God's choice. And God warned Israel as to what Saul would do. But they wanted a king anyway. And Saul had his ways. And it, it seems that Samuel was the only one who could really do anything with Saul. He was the only one who had a real positive influence in his life. And as effective as Samuel was, and as anointed of God as Samuel was... Saul, at times, would not take Samuel's advice and go on and do other things, make up his mind to do other things. Now, Samuel is dead. And all of Israel has now gathered to the funeral. There's no evidence that David attended the funeral. There's no evidence that Saul attended the funeral. And why is that? I think David thought in his mind, if I go to the funeral and Saul is there, it could be disastrous. And you would say, well, that's kind of strange, Brother James, because you talked about last week how David was given an opportunity to kill Saul, and he didn't do it, and he showed Saul the skirt where he had cut off and proven to Saul he had the opportunity to kill him. He didn't do it, and he proved to Saul that I'm not out to hurt you. And Saul even confessed to the fact that David was more righteous than he was and even admitted that he knew that God had chosen David to be the future king of Israel and had even asked David to swear by God that you will not hurt my progenitors, my family, when you become king. And it seems when you look at that, Saul has repented and David and Saul, this little commotion that's been going on between them now for some time has now been resolved. But I want you to notice, David didn't go run and jump in Saul's lap. And there's a truth here, I want, I want you to get it. John the Baptist told the leaders of Israel of his day, as it pertains to repentance, he said, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. In other words, bring forth some evidence of your repentance. I said all that to say this. 
Lady, if your husband has beaten you, and he comes up and says, I'm sorry, I won't ever do it again, you better not go run and jump in his lap. When certain things have gone awry and as severe as some situations can be, you better step back and let the dust settle before you try to move forward with that individual because unless they have truly repented before God and got it right with God, you can forgive them. But if you're not careful and you get too close to them, they'll hurt you. Are you listening to me? And although Saul repented for his actions, David didn't run jump in his lap. David let Saul go his way. David went his way. And I said all that to say this. Sometimes when there have been issues going on between two people or two particular factions and there has been repentance, sometimes it's best to let the dust settle and let's examine some fruit before we proceed further. Because if you're not careful, you're going to mess around and get hurt. So David was reluctant to go to the funeral because of this. And he went further away. The Bible says that he went down to Paran. And he's got about 600 men with him. Plus their wives, their children. There could have been as many as a thousand people now at this time that following David. He goes to Paran. He comes to a place called Carmel. And they come upon this place and there's 3,000 sheep plus 1,000 goats. Think of that. 3,000 sheep. I mean, you don't just put that many sheep in a tight knit area i mean they've got to have room to spread out where they can graze and so forth but this man had three thousand of them plus a thousand goats and we don't know how much land this man owned but it had to be quite a large area for this many sheep and here's the problem that many sheep spread out over such a wide area the man didn't have enough shepherds and didn't have enough workers to tend to the needs of the sheep. Which was quite a problem because in those days, bandits could come down, thieves, robbers. This was an area where the Amalekites camped out. They could have come in and just took what the man had and you had to have people there to tend and protect the sheep, and David and his men come upon this area and they see a need. And they don't ask any questions. They don't come together and have a business meeting about anything. They see a need and they just take care of it. I thank God for the people in this church that see a need and they just take care of it. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? They see a need, and they just take care of it, and they do a good job. Thank God for that. And David and his men, they saw a need. They didn't ask no questions. They didn't go to find out who the man was that owned them. They saw a need, and they just either, they, they did it as unto the Lord. And everything you do, you need to do it as unto the Lord. And it did a good job. Matter of fact, if you'll look down there in verse 16, the workers that worked said, verse 16, they were a wall unto us both by night and day. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep. David and his men... Nobody came in and messed with the sheep the whole time David and his men were here. That's the testimony of the workers. But these workers worked for a man by the name of Nabal. You better be careful and know who you're working for. You better be careful and know who you're working with. The name Nabal means stupid, wicked, fool. And boy, did he live up to his name. The Bible says, if you'll look there in verse 3, 1 Samuel 25, verse 3, Dana, if you will, pull it up on the screen. The Bible says that this man was cureless. Cureless. And evil in his doings. Cureless. What does that mean, cureless? It's, it's the only time that word is used in the Bible. Cureless. What does it mean? Well, I took the time to look it up. And Dana, if you will, put it up on the screen, the meaning of the word cureless. For those of you listening by radio, it means to be stiff-necked, hard, rough, cruel, grievous, sore, hard-hearted, Severe, impudent, obstinate, sore, and stubborn. Cheerless. How many of you know somebody that's cheerless? Look right straight at that screen right now. Don't turn and look to your husband or your wife. For God's sake, we're going to have divorce here to show us the world. Look right straight at that screen right now. Don't look at me. Just look, look down at the floor. Don't, don't be looking at your neighbor. But I know some folks that are careless, and you do too. Oh, let me go a step further. I know some Christians that are careless. What does it mean? It's careless 
in how you say things. The way you come across with things. The Bible says that Nabal was curlish. Had to do with how he said things. He didn't care. He didn't care how it came across. The Bible says he was evil in his doings. He just speak whatever. No filter. As a child of God, you need a filter. Holy Ghost filter. Because if you're not careful, things will come out and it will sound cheerless. And such ought not to be. Now, wait a minute. There are times when things have to be said. Okay? And... God has called on you to say those things and to bring those things to the forefront. You need to ask the Lord to help you to present those things in a fashion. Be led of the Spirit. Because if you're not careful, you'll get in the flesh. And although what you have to say is true and correct, it will not be accepted. Or is, or is, is everybody with me this morning? Alright, so follow me here. There are times when things have to be said. You say it because you love the people who are involved. You want it to be accepted. But if you say it, it won't be accepted. But if the Holy Spirit says it, which means you're going to have to get on your face before God and ask God to help you say the things that need to be said. Okay? The man was curlish. The way he said things. Now, Nabal is shearing his sheep. 3,000 of them. It's time to cash in on all the profits. Money's flowing like water. And here's David. It's all he can do to f put food on the table. Here you have a man that's cheerless and evil in his doings, wicked, ungodly, just says whatever he wants to say, does whatever he wants to do, wicked, ungodly, and he's got millions of dollars now just flowing into his pockets. And here is David, a man after God's own heart that God has anointed to be the future king of Israel, and he's doing all that he can to put food on the table. That ain't fair. That ain't right. Why is it? It seems like the lost world out here has 
more money than they can shake a stick at, and yet the child of God has to struggle, and it's all they can do to put food on the table. Why is that? It's a good question. Understand this, folks. God wants to bless His people. God wants to bless you. He loves you. He has nothing but good things for you. But I also know this. The worst thing you can do for some people is to give them money. You think, Brother James, if I could just win the lottery, that'd be the best thing that ever happened to me. No, you'd wind up losing your soul. Because you won't control the money, the money will control you. You'll go out here and you'll buy a camper and you'll be gone, won't never see you in the church house again. Oh, Brother James, I'd give my tithe to the church. I'd rather have your soul in this church than your money. I was up there at the store Friday night, gassing up the truck, went in there to pay for my gas, and there's a whole line of them in there. If they just pay for their stuff and, and move on, that'd be fine. But they got to stand there, well, give me number five, well, give me number ten lottery tickets. And there's about five of them in front of me, all five of them buying lottery tickets. I'm standing there. I can be done with paying for my gas in less than 30 seconds, and I can hit the road. But I've got to stand here now for 10 minutes waiting for these guys to get a lottery ticket. I was tempted to be cureless. I finally get up there to the counter to pay for my gas, and the lady says, What lottery ticket do you want? I said, Ma'am, I'm going to put my money in the offering plate at church because I know I'm going to get something back on that one. Are you hearing me today? And she saw my shirt, and she said, You must be that preacher down there. I said, Yes, ma'am, I am. She said, I work at another station down here. She said, and you won't believe the number of preachers that come in and buy lottery tickets. Are you hearing me? And we want to know why the church is in the mess that it's in. It's because the ones standing behind the pulpits are in the mess that they're in. Hmm. God wants to bless His people. But the best blessing you'll ever receive from God won't be so much money. Money can hurt you. Money can be the ruination of some people. Pray that your soul prospers. But David, it's all he can do to put food on the table. Nabal's got money just running out of his pockets. And David asked his men to go up 
and ask Nabal for a little bit of food to put on the table so that him and his men can eat. He wasn't asking for much. And I think he had a right to ask for it because he did provide a service. But Nabal insulted David. Who is this David? I don't know no David. He's a slave of Saul, for all I know. I ain't giving him nothing. I'm sure some other things were said. Some colorful metaphors were used. But the men come back and they tell David. David got angry. He was red-headed, you know. And uh, told his men to gird up their swords. David girded on his sword. He had every intention of killing Nabal. He's got 400 men with him now. And they're going up to Nabal. I'm going to give him peace of my mind. Then I'm going to shorten him up about 12 inches. Don't y'all sit here and look at me like a bunch of angels. You know as well as I do, there are some nables out there that get under your skin. They push your buttons. And if you're not careful, you're tempted to gird up a sword. Not that you would kill them. But a lot of damage can be done with that tongue you got. Dana, pull them up there on the screen. We looked at this verse just a few weeks ago, Psalm 57. My soul is among lions. I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. What do you do when people get under your skin and push your buttons? Does your tongue become a sharp sword? Pull it up, the next one, Dana, if you will. James had a lot to say about the tongue. James chapter 1, verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious... And bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Dana, if you will, pull the next one up on the screen. James chapter 3, verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member. 
and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. Dana, if you will, pull up the next one, please. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. David has girded up his sword. and He's going to kill Nabal and everybody with him. But Nabal had a good godly wife. I thank God. For a good godly wife. If it weren't for her. I wouldn't be able to do. A lot of the things that I do. Abigail. Was her name. Some of the men go and they tell Abigail. About the situation and what David is going to do. And if you'll look there in verse 18, the Bible says she took 200 loaves, two bottles of wine, five sheep ready dressed, five measures of parched corn, a hundred clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs. She took all of this and she met David in the way and offered these things to him. And she had some things to say to David. She, in essence, tells David, if you kill Nabal, you're no better than he is. I want you to think about that. David, if you kill Nabal, you're no better than he is. As a child of God, when somebody gets up under your skin and they push your buttons, and you begin to gird up your sword, that tongue of yours starts to get fired up and you fire back you're no better than they are hmm she goes on to tell David verse 28 
no evil has been found in all of your days. She tells him that your house will be sure. However, if David kills Nabal, he very well could forfeit the blessings of God. God's got great things for you. But if you don't learn how to put down that sword, what you say could very well forfeit the blessings that God has for you. She goes on, tells David, don't do it. You're going to be the future king of Israel. If you do this thing, it's going to be a stain on your reputation. And David acquiesced to Abigail. He put down his sword and in essence placed it into God's hands. Going to let God deal with it. The best thing that you as a child of God can do is let God fight your battles. Now here's what happened. Nabal shearing all of these sheep come into all this money. He threw a big party. He got drunk. Greatly so, the Bible says. And he never came out of that drunken stupor. Alcohol poisoning. Never regained consciousness. And ten days later he died. The Bible says that God smote him. If you'll look there in verse 38. And I've got a question here. God smote Nabal, but he didn't smite Saul. Saul really caused David more problems than Nabal did, and over a longer period of time. Why didn't God deal with Saul the same way he did with Nabal? Why doesn't God deal with your problems quickly? I'll tell you why. Saul kept David on his knees before God. Are you hearing me? And perhaps the reason that you are experiencing the problems and the difficulties that you're having to experience and go through, God is teaching you. And it's God's way of keeping you on your knees. Now, as we close out this chapter, we see where David marries Abigail. He's already got one wife. Now he's got 
two. It's called polygamy. And somebody said, oh, well, it was just allowable in them days. No, it won't allowable neither. Because in the very beginning, God made Adam and Eve. He made one pair, one man, one woman. Having many wives was never sanctioned of God. One man, one woman. And believe me, friend, that's enough. That's enough. David's got two wives. It would cause a lot of problems with his son Solomon that had over a thousand wives. Oh, there's a great lesson to learn there too. Don't, Don't teach your kids to do this and they see you do that. You as the parent need to set the example. Let, let, let your talk line up with your walk. Let your walk line up with your talk, see. But David marries Abigail. Why did he do that? Well, let's just be honest. The Bible says that Abigail was a beautiful woman. And on top of that, she was rich. And now David marries Abigail, and now David is rich. So I said all that to say this. Here we have David, who had nothing, saw a need. Provided a service to a man that had everything. The man didn't act right. David got girded up his sword, was going to go kill him. The man's wife talked him out of it. He laid down his sword. Let God deal with it. And David ended up with everything the man had. And I said all that and say this. If you will lay down the sword and only take up the sword of the Spirit. Lay down the sword and let God deal with it. God will bless you with everything that you need. today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252-299-4234. This program is an outreach ministry of friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, as well depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like
like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. It's easy, and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. We have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 945 and worship service at 11, as well as prayer meeting and Bible study every Wednesday night at 730. Go to com and click on the events tab for gospel singings and other special services. That's right, Jules. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMET community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.